my sin. Oh, the bliss of a glorious, what a glorious thought. Not in part, but in whole, but nailed to his cross. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, if you would. Is that working? I think the batteries must be dead. Can you use just this pulpit mic? Okay. Psalm 119, I'm going to read verses 89 to 96. Psalm 119, you know, if you read through Psalm 119, trying to remember, there's 176 verses. And I think there's 172 references to the Word of God in this chapter. Using the words word, testimonies, um, statutes, judgments, and I think there's another one. Uh, ordinances, all those things refer to the Word of God. Anyway, there's 172 direct references to the Word of God. So, the message this afternoon is simply the gift of His Word. Verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances for all thy servants. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. I am thine. Save me, for I have sought thy precepts. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. So, the gift of his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to open your word. I pray as we look into the word of God that we would consider it as it is the very words of God. And help us to stand in awe of thy word, stand in awe of thee, and give attention to your word, and help us to understand the benefit and the gift that has been given to us by our loving Father, and the Son, the Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit that dwells within, the gift of his word that directs and guides our life. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So as we consider this, the gift, this gift of God, which I believe it is a gift of God to us, his word, you know, we really live in a privileged time. Um, you know, they didn't always have the word of God like we have it. In fact, there's still some parts of the world where they don't have the word of God in their own language, or it's uh, forbidden, or, you know, Places like North Korea and so on and so forth. But, but even before that, you know, before the printing press, of course, it was very difficult uh, to make copies. Um, it had to be handwritten and so on and so forth. So there wasn't uh, the idea of everyone having a copy of God's Word is a relatively late or new thing in the last 500, you know, some years. Um, Five, six hundred years. But anyway, so we, we, we really have a great advantage over many that have gone before us. But as we consider the Word of God this, morning, this afternoon, 
I want to notice, first of all, we have an unchanging word. Verse 39 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. That word settled there means it, that which stands firm. It stands firm. It is unchanging. Verse 160 says this, uh, thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Uh, Matthew twenty four thirty five says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And of course, Matthew 5 and verses uh, 17 to 19, Jesus got very specific about the fact that his words would not pass away. When it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 to 19, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass in the law to all be fulfilled. Whoso therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven, but whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So he said, you know, there's not going to be a jot or a tittle passed from the law till it's all fulfilled. It hasn't all been fulfilled yet. And, you know, the jot and the tittle were the smallest letters of the Greek alphabet. Now, there's some letters of the Greek alphabet that's very small. Bradley's going to find out uh, here come this next semester. Um, they're very small. Um, so, so, you know, God, we have an unchanging word. God's word's not changed. It is, it, is it is an incorruptible word. Verses 90 and 91 of our text says this, Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances for all, for all thy servants. So, you know, he talks about his faithfulness here. And, you know, how long does he say his faithfulness will continue? Well, he says, unto all generations. So that means as long as there are people, God is going to be faithful. His faithful will never end. It's going to continue. And it's going to continue, he says, according to his ordinances. Now, the word ordinances here speaks of a pronounced judgment or a sentence, a formal decree, which is a divine law. And he uses here the earth as an example of his divine decree. And look at Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22. You know, we hear a lot today about climate change. And, uh, you know, there is someday God's going to change climate on this world. You, know, you read Revelation, there's going to be some changes in climate on this world. But man's not doing it. God's going to do it. Um, that isn't yet. But in Genesis 8.22, the Lord said, While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and winter. What's seed time? Spring, that's when you plant your seeds in the ground. Seed time and harvest, that's fall. Cold and heat, of course, that's winter and summer. And summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. That is an ordinance, a divine law that was given by God. 
And, and, he, and he, he states it here that he established it and it abideth. And it will continue according to God's ordinance. So until God changes it, our climate's really not going to change. I mean, there are fluctu- some fluctuations in, in you know, uh, in, in uh, periods of time where it gets a little bit warmer and then it'll get a little bit colder in certain areas. You know, when I was in school, the age of some of you young people, you know, we were going to have icebergs all the way to New York. That was during the Carter years. I remember clearly. They were talking about how it's getting colder, you know, the world's getting colder, and we're going to have icebergs all the way to New York and so on and so forth. And, of course, you know, in a few years they started saying, well, now it's getting warmer, and we're going to have water flooding our coasts and coming inland because all the glaciers are melting. You know what? Glaciers melt all the time. But you know what else they do? They continue to freeze all the time. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, it's, it's I, I don't know if you remember one of uh, – uh, two letters ago, Kevin Jones, his last predator, he said they're having a cool summer. And, you know, we have hot weather. They're having cool over there. Uh, you know, so there is some fluctuations, but the, the, uh, uh, there's always going to be winter and summer, springtime and harvest. That's a, 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 and day and night, God has established that. Uh, Psalm 89, verse 34, also speaks to God's faithfulness. Psalm 89, 34 says this, my covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that is going out of my lips. God does not change his word. It will continue. And, and so we hear all these lies about these things, but God's word will continue. It is incorruptible. It does not change. Uh, it is not capable of corruption. Uh, Psalm 190, verse six, uh, 160 there we read says that it endureth forever. Uh, Proverbs 30 and verse 5 says it is pure First uh, Peter chapter uh, one and verses twenty three and twenty four. First Peter one twenty three and twenty four. Uh, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So, so this, this word that we have is not capable of corruption. Now there's great effort to corrupt it. But it still stands. We still have it. And we have God's word. And so we need to trust and believe in God's word. You know, this, this, is, this is God's word. This is Jesus Christ manifested to us. In his word. And of course he was manifested in the flesh. You know, his, you know, the Bible speaks of the word being incorruptible. It also speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ being sinless. He wasn't capable of corruption. Uh, in, uh, in fact, let's look at a couple of verses here, that, which, which is uh, kind of interesting. Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews 4 and verses 12 and 13 speaking about the word of God and speaking about the Lord in the same in the same context says Hebrews 4 verse 12 says for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrows is a cerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart so in other words it it has a way of revealing to you who you really are it brings 
sin to light. It brings your works to light and, and, and shows them for what they are. So no, notice it says, it, it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Verse 13, still talking about the word of God, neither is there any creature is not manifest in, what's the next word? His. I thought we were talking about the word of God. We are. That word is Jesus. That word is Jesus. His sight. And all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You know, Jesus is going to be our judge one day. And we're going to be judged by this book. John 12, or John, yeah, John 12 says the word, Jesus said, the word that I have spoken to you, the same shall judge you in the last day. See, he is the word. He is the word manifested to us in a person. In Revelation 19, we see him glorified and coming, returning to conquer the nations and an interesting title or name given to him is found in verse 13. It says, And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. He is the Word of God. And Jesus is also, he is incorruptible. Hebrews 4.15 tells us, he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 7.26 says he was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. Oh, I've got to stay with this mic. Uh, separate from sinners. So he was holy. He was undefiled. He had no sin. 1 Peter 2, verses 21 through 23, tells us that uh, even here unto where you call, Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. So he, Peter says he did no sin. You know, he said to his enemies, which of you convinceth me of sin? And he had no answer. 1 John 1, uh, 3 tells us in verse 5, And you know he was manifested to take away our sin, and in him is no sin. Now, that's in present tense. Because there never was any sin in him. He doesn't have a sin nature. He could not sin, he was God. So if Jesus is the word, and these are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, can they be corrupted? Well, you know, men say, well, yeah, men can corrupt it. Well, they've tried, and they're still trying. But it still endures. It's still here. We still have it preserved for us. And so and this is, brings us to a third point from this passage. I want you to notice verse 91. They continue this day according to thine ordinances. For. For who? For who? All thy servants. See, God preserves his word for us. 
for our benefit. It is for all thy servants. His faithfulness and, and his word they, and his ordinance continue for our benefit. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 132, the psalmist says this, Look thou upon me, and be merciful unto me, as thou used to do unto those that love thy name. Now, the, the, the phrase there, used to do, means as your manner or your custom is. So, uh, what he's saying is, look, God, it's like you to be merciful and gracious to me. So I'm asking you to be merciful and gracious to me again. Because that's like you. You know, we often, some, you might hear someone say sometime, you know, well, well, it's, it's just like him. You know, the, he's just such a nice guy or she's such a nice lady. It's, it's just like them to do that. Well, this is what the psalmist saying is by the Lord. It's just like him to be merciful to us because that's the way he is. He is a merciful God. And he has preserved his words for our benefit, for our help, for our help. Uh, and, of course, it is, it is like God. You know, the psalmist in Psalm 103 uh, that we memorized a year or so ago, it says, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all those within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that is oppressed. You might say that when, when Jesus met Saul on the road to Damascus, he was executing righteousness on behalf of his servants for those who were oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the, high, as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And so this is, this is the God that we serve, and he has given us the gift of his word, which gives us life. The word of God is life-giving. Look at verse 92. Verse 92. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in my affliction. You know, if you wouldn't have the word of God, how would you know to have a life, eternal life? It's the word that gives us life. John 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. He that heareth my word, heareth my word, When Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, he says, holding forth the word of life. This is the word of life. It's life-giving. That I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. In 1 John 1 and verse 1, that which was from the beginning, 
which we have heard, which we have seen of our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled of the word of life. The word of life. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans ten seventeen. And so, this, this book is life-giving. Being born again, not a corrupt seed, but incorruptible by the word of God. So it gives us life. It's life-giving. But it also gives us vitality for the trials and troubles of life. In other words, it gives us power. It gives us strength to endure and to triumph in life. Verse 93 says, I will never forget thy precepts. For with them thou hast quickened me. With them thou hast quickened. So it's the precepts of God, the words of God, that he said, by which you quickened me, or gave me vibrancy, and gave me life, gave me power. Uh, look, look at uh, Psalm 119, verse 7, where he says, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart, when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. You know, the word of God gives us wisdom to make decisions, right decisions, to make wise judgments. Uh, verse 104, and there's a lot of, like I say, there's a lot of verses in here. Verse 104 says, through thy precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. In fact, if you read the preceding verses to that, in, in uh, verse 97, it says, Oh, how I love thy law is my meditation all the day. Thou, through thy commandments, hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way, that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. You know, if we get our, our learning for life from the word of God... We would learn, learn right judgments. Learn to make right decisions. It gives us wisdom. Uh, Psalm 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Verse 130, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Those that do not know. That's what simple really means. They're kind of ignorant. Uh, verse 140, Hear my voice according unto the love and kindness. O Lord, Quicken me according to thy judgments. Uh, there are more to be desired than gold, Psalm 19, verse 10, than much fine gold. Moreover, verse 11, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. You know, the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. But in keeping of the word of God, there is great reward. There's great reward. There's two boys that were deaf that were taken in by the Rice family. One of them went the way of the world. They don't, even, they don't know where he is. The other one, and life was hard. He rebelled, went the way of the world. Eventually, they didn't know where he was. The other one, he did the word of God, 
became a deaf preacher, nationally known deaf preacher. He had all kinds of health problems, but he had a very uh, he had a very successful life. You see, in keeping of the commands of God, there is great reward. Great reward. I had a young man in my office years ago in Maine who was getting into some trouble. And I, I talked to him. I said, there's two paths. You have a choice, and the choice is yours. I said, but I can assure you, if you go away from God, it's trouble. You're going to have a hard life. Now, God promises, you know, good. God promises to meet your needs. God's promise, he didn't, he didn't say you're going to be wealthy, healthy, and wise, you know, healthy and wealthy and all that. But he said, but he did promise you a, a <laughs> successful life if you obey him. But if you go against him, the way of the transgressor is hard. It's going to be a hard life. And he said, well, part of me wants to go one way and part of me wants to go another way. The sad thing is, he chose the wrong way. The last I knew, he was a drug dealer. Life was very, very difficult. You see, God's word, it brings, it gives us wisdom, it gives us power and strength. You know, all of us face trials and hardships in life, but God's word can give us success or triumph in those things. Psalm 25, verse 8 through 15 says, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way, in, in the right path. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach. You know, a meek person is somebody that comes to God and allows God to rule and direct in their life. That's, what, that's really what a meek person is. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, in other words, he'll be at rest. And his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. So the word of God gives vitality, gives strength and power for the trials and troubles of life. Uh, Psalm 28, 4 and 5 says, They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. Evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. You see, the word of God gives us discernment between good and evil. And wisdom to make the right choices. And it speaks to every issue or need of man. Look at verse 96. Verse 96 of Psalm 119. I have a seen an end of all perfection. But thy commandment is exceeding broad. Now, the phrase there, end of perfection, is one Hebrew word. And it, and it really has the idea of this. Man is limited. 
man is limited. And then there's the contrast. The commandments of God are infinite. They are inexhaustible. They're infinite. J.P. Morgan said this, concerning this, quote, He has considered all the perfections of things other than Jehovah himself, that is, of created things, and has discovered their limits. So, so the end of the end of the all perfection, he, you know, the psalmist said, I have seen an end of all perfection. In other words, there's an end to man's wisdom. There's an end to it. It's not infinite. He doesn't know everything. He doesn't have the answer for everything. You know, man thinks he has the answers for everything, and we're trying all these social programs, and they're making things worse. They're making things worse. They're ruining young lives with their transgender-pushing agenda. And all this foolishness we got in the world. Really, it's a denial of, who God, of God and how, the, how God made them. But as you think about the other, uh, another commentator said this, quote, Of all perfection in this world, whether beauty, wit, learning, pleasure, honor, or riches, experience will soon show us the end. But, where is the end and boundary of the word of God? Where is it? Unquote. 2 Peter 1.3 says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to virtue, to glory and virtue. Unquote. So, we have, God has promised everything, that concerning life and godliness, he's given us in this book. We just need to be willing to receive it. The problem is we don't want to receive it. God made them male and female. There's only two genders. Even the animal world understands that. And yet man can't seem to understand that. And here's the funny part. So it's, Considering this today, here, here's the humorous part to me. One commentator said this, strangely, quote, strangely, many today think the Bible is narrow. They think of themselves as exceedingly broad-minded people, yet they show literal tolerance for those who disagree with them. God's word is indeed exceedingly broad, and it will make us broad-minded, broad-hearted, and tolerant in the best sense of it if we read and obey it. It will prevent us from being tyrants over others and to tolerate and love others even when their lives and thinking are decidedly against God and his word. Unquote. Now, that doesn't mean we agree with what they're doing. But we, we're not here to try and force them to believe what we believe. But you know what they're trying to do to us? Force us to condone and endorse their lifestyles. I mean, they're trying to force us to endorse that this man is a woman, or this woman is a man. And, you know, when they go in the locker room with each other, they find out that they can't deny that. It's disgusting. And, you know, the woke crowd... Are like James and John. You remember James and John? When Jesus came down through Samaria and, and the Samaritans would not receive Jesus because he was minded to go to Jerusalem and, and so they wanted to call down fire from heaven and destroy those sinners. 
That's what the woke crowd is like. And yet they say they're broad-minded and non-discriminatory and tolerant of different viewpoints. That, my friends, is a lie of lies. You know, if you disagree, they will threaten you, persecute you, and even kill you. And then have the audacity to say they're broad-minded. I just read recently of a leader of one of the uh, pro-life groups had his house vandalized. Thankfully, he wasn't there. His family wasn't there, but he had his house vandalized and um, painted. They used uh, paintball guns or something, but anyway, it was it's, you know he has a decent-looking brick, brick house and he can't get it off. But they vandalized his house, you know, and and, uh, and so on. Um, and they were looking for him. Um, so, but the Bible says here that the commandment is exceeding broad. You you think about Baptists and the history of Baptists, and they have always been a non-persecuting people. The Catholics. All religions of the world, almost all the religions of the world, persecute those who disagree with them. Catholics, the Muslims, and even the Protestants persecuted those, persecuted the Baptists. Uh, the first free colony in the world was Rhode Island, started by, of course, John Clark and the church there at Newport. So, so, you know, this, this idea, uh, this rope crowd, really, this, the, the reality is they are, they are hateful because they have no cloak for their sin, their sin. This is my opinion. They have no cloak for their sin. Therefore, they want to force all of us to endorse it. It's called guilt. You know, guilt makes one insecure and wanting of approval. Wanting of approval. Where are we supposed to get our approval? You know, all of us like to have the applause of men to a certain degree. But where are we supposed to get our approval? Psalm 119, verse 95 says this, The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. So the wicked... We're out to destroy him, but he said, I'm seeking my endorsement, and I'm seeking my approval from God. You know, that's where we need to seek our approval. We need to get our approval from God and not man. Second Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. If you are approved by God, you don't need to be ashamed of anything or anyone. You don't have to worry about whether you get so-and-so's approval. 
I mean, you have the God of heaven. If you're a child of God, you're a son of God, as we heard this morning, if you are, you are, and He's not ashamed of you, and you have His approval, why do you need approval of the world? You don't. And this approval comes by rightly dividing the word of truth. You see, we have this gift from God. It's his word. You know, the, again, I said this many times, but the longer I live, the more years I have in the ministry, the more value and vitality, the more important I see time spent in the word of God. Reading it. Meditating upon it. It gives you confidence. It's what gives you assurance. Do you realize that really when you're spending time in this book, you are spending time fellowshipping with God? Because this is God's word. It's living. It's like sitting down and having a conversation with Jesus himself. There's no other book in the world that you can do that with. That even compares. That's why the psalmist said, I have more understanding than all my teachers. You know, we got teachers at universities that have all these degrees and, and think they understand humanity. But, and they can give titles to all these uh, uh, ailments and, and, and you know, emotional distresses that people have, but they have no solutions. Except medication. God has solutions. It's called sin. Take responsibility for yourself. I just heard a new one the other day. You know, this lady called me, asked me to mow her grass, said she just couldn't do it anymore. And her doctors have diagnosed her with something where she can't make decisions. And I thought about that a little while, and I thought to myself, yeah, they've diagnosed you with a problem is you can't make decisions to go out and mow your grass because you're too lazy. That's your problem. And God calls that slothfulness, and God calls it sin. The solution is real simple. But instead of confronting the sin, you throw a bottle of medication at it. And you make her sicker. You give her more excuses. That's what the world does. You know, the word of God gets right to the problem. It has the answers. It is exceeding broad. It's God's gift to you and I for our benefit, for our help, for our comfort, for our strength. You know, we need to use it. We need to avail ourselves of its power. It's invigorating life. Look at Psalm 40, and I'll finish with this. Psalm 40, verse 27 to 31. Psalm 40, verse 27. Psalm 40, verse 27 says, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? 
My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Why, my, why would your way be hid? Why would God not know your way? Because you're not walking with him. If you're walking in rebellion with God, it's gonna, you're going to seem like your way is hid. He's not there, because he's not going to go with you if you're walking in rebellion to him. Can two walk together except they be agreed? I mean, if you want to go north and I want to go south, we are going to go different directions. Does that make sense? And so that's why he says, you know, that's why Israel's saying, well, my way's hid. No. Hast thou not known, verse 28, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, neither is there is no searching of his understanding? He giveth power to the faint. To them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. Even young people get tired. However, and the young men shall utterly fail. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know, Caleb may have been 85 years old till he got into the promised land, but he said, I'm as strong today as I was then, and the Lord give me that mountain. I want where the children of Antioch are, because the Lord will enable me to drive them out, because he is my strength. It's not my own strength. He is my strength. He's the one that's given me life. It was according to the word of the Lord's servant Moses that promised him. It was written. See, God's word is a gift of great benefit to us. We need to use it. Avail ourselves of it. Spend time in it. Read it. Meditate upon it. That it may be well with thee.